You know, Victory Road has had a very interesting place in teenage history. Some kind of in the medium, and then there's one event that will be remembered for being very bad. 2008 is really crazy. I go to Wikipedia, and I put in TNA Victory Road, and it's like one of the first shows that pops up in there. So that either told me that this was going to be a good show or a bad one. And the thing is, I remember watching it live, and I just remember the finish of the event being very confusing and very kind of upsetting. So going back to it, my opinion really hasn't changed. The ending is really, really bad. So I thought to myself, okay, maybe I just need to try to look at some of the positives from this. And to be honest, there were quite a few positives in this show. Uh, you have the World X Cup in this. You had um, the TNA tag match was cool because you had the fans revenge match for the second time. Actually, I think this is only the second time that they've done this. First time was that match with Jeff Jarrett and Samoa Joe. Okay, I'll be honest, you guys, 2008 Victory Road is one of those shows where it's another kind of... No, I can't say that, actually. I wouldn't, I was going to say this was a one-match show, but to be honest, there are two matches on there. The opening matchup and the fans' choice match, but I will get to the show. But, talk about that soon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Brace for Impact. I am the game changer, the paladin of positivity, and the impact player of WrestleTech Radio, Nate the and Great. Be sure to check out all of our great stuff. Check us out on social media. Check out everybody else's podcast throughout the week. Guys, reviewing Victory Road. 2008 and actually before i even got into this i actually wanted to go through another show that actually took place a week after which was the great american bash 2008 and crazy enough i bought this one too this was just crazy to think that oh yeah i actually bought these shows back to back and i looked at the card on this one and is it bad honestly not really but it is kind of forgettable if I could be honest. Uh, going into the matches, we had a dark match that had Umaga defeating Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy. Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder winning the tag team titles from John Morrison and The Miz, Jesse and Festus, and Finley and Hornswoggle. Shelton Benjamin winning the United States title from Matt Hardy. Matt Hart, Mark Henry, geez Louise, Mark Henry defeating Tommy Dreamer for the ECW Championship. Chris Jericho defeating Shawn Michaels by a technical knockout, which, to be honest, I forgot that this was a really good storyline going into 2008. Uh, Michelle McCool defeating Natalia for the uh, Butterfly Championship, also known as the Divas Championship. Yes, this happened in the same year, and I am... Wow. I am kind of thinking that's really bad. CM Punk and Batista fought to a double disqualification for the World Heavyweight Championship, which kind of is almost summing up CM Punk's world title run in a nutshell. JBL actually got a victory over John Cena in a New York City parking lot brawl. And in the main event, Triple H defeated Edge to retain the WWE Championship. All right, getting on from that, we go into talking about TNA's Victory Road 2008 took place on July 13th, 2008 in Houston, Texas in the Reliant Arena, now known as the NRG Arena. Actually, it also was known as the uh, the Astro... Oh, wow, this was also known as the Astro Arena. That's kind of cool. Uh, tenants of 3,000 and a pay-per-view buy rate of 25,000 from what I saw. This actually got a higher rating from a lot of... Uh, people that were doing judges judging for the uh, wrestling deals. They only got like maybe one above the Great American Bash one that took place a week later. But to be honest, this show, like I said, has some interesting stories, but it also has some very frustrating things about it. And I'm going to talk about those frustrating things in here. Uh, we opened up the show with an opening package in which we had 
them talking about how big Houston is and how it's going to be a big riot. It's going to be a huge battlefield. They had uh, BG James basically transitioning from wrestler to just being a guy with a microphone trying to get the fans all excited for Victory Road. And to be honest, guys, we start off really strong with a four-team, 12-man elimination tag team match, which is the third round of the 2008 TNA World X Cup Tournament. So, who do we have for this? We have four teams. We have Team International, Team Mexico, Team Japan, and Team TNA. Representing Team International here, we have Alex Kozlov, Doug Williams, and Tyson Dukes, the leader. Actually, I'm going to go into this really quick. Give me a quick second here because we have... I'm actually going to go through the entirety of the teams. Uh, Team International's team captain was Davari, who will be later known as Sheikh Abdul Bashir. Yeah, that was the thing. Uh, team Japan, we had Puma, uh, Naruki Doi, Masato Yoshino, and Milano Collection AT as the team captain. On Team Mexico, we have team captain Ultimo Guerrero, uh, Aver- Averno, Rebucanero, Rebuc- uh, Rebuc- Rebuc- there we go, and Volador Jr. The TM- TNA. Captained by Kaz, we had Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, and Curryman. They actually made a funny deal where they talked about how Curryman was offered a spot in Team Japan, but he stuck with Team TNA. <laughs> I thought that was actually really funny. So let's talk quickly here about the first two uh, first two round matchups here. We had the Motor City Machine Guns taking on the team of Tyson Dukes and Davari. Motor City Machine Guns picked up a victory there in which Motor City Machine, in which Team TNA, they got their first point. You had another tag match which teamed up, which paired Ray Bucanero and Ultimo Guerrero uh, taking on Speed Muscle in which Team Mexico picked up the win there. We had the second round matchup which was two Singles matches here in which winning team members get two points. We had Milano Collection AT defeating Curryman. And then we also had, let's see here, I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Doug Williams defeating Masato Yoshino in that one. So the standings were, and I'm trying to remember this correctly, was that I believe it was Team Japan and Team International were kind of in the lead where Mexico and TNA were just kind of trailing behind here. So with the matchup at, um, excuse me, Victory Road, how it was was that they had the, how they had it was that they had a ranking system. Basically, if you were in the first place, you would get three points. If you finished second, two points, third place, one point, and final place with uh, zero points, if I remember correctly. Sounds about right. And then basically it all ended up with the final matchup, which was the four-way Ultimate X matchup for the finals of the TNA World X Cup Tournament. So here's what I'm going to do, guys. There was a lot of things that went on with this. I'm only going to talk about the eliminations for this, and then I'm going to give my overall thoughts on the matchup. I do have a couple spots that I will definitely talk about here, but for the most part, I'm going to try and quickly go through these here. So first man eliminated was Tyson Dukes, who was eliminated by Ray Bucanero after... A reverse wheelbarrow into a slam. Basically, he reversed it into a uh, victory roll type deal. Uh, Puma was eliminated by Averno after getting hit with the Angels' wings, which I thought was kind of funny because of the fact that Christopher Daniels is in this matchup. He is Curry Man, by the way. <clears throat> we had uh, Milano 
Collection AT, eliminated by Chris Saban after getting a springboard knee to the face. That cradle shock by Chris Saban for the elimination. We had uh, Avernon being eliminated by Masato Machino after a unique version of the La Magistro pitting maneuver. We had Curryman being eliminated by Ultimo Guerrero after what I've dubbed the Candido Bomb, which is a top row power bomb because nobody did it better than Candino. Doug Williams, he defeated Ray Bucanero with a catapult. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, Doug Williams was eliminated by Ray Bucanero. I thought I had it the other way around. Eliminated by a catapult into the knees and then a corkscrew moonsault onto him. That was a nice tag team move by Mexico. We had Ultimo Guerrero eliminated by Alex Kozlov, who hit a low blow side Russian leg sweep and then a Cobra clutch maneuver in a uh, grounded position, which I think is actually a really cool, devastating submission maneuver. Motor City Machine Guns are able to eliminate Ray Bucanero with a double super kick. Alex Kozlov defeat, uh, pinched Chris Sabin with the referee distracted and he used the ropes for leverage. We see Alex Kozlov get eliminated by Masato with a cross-armed variation leg submission. And then Alex Shelley was able to defeat uh, Yoshino by hitting an air raid crash. Whew. This is a lot to take in. Uh, International does a nice uh, corner splash, a tilt-a-roll backbreaker, and Douglas was able to hit a high knee. I thought that was really cool. There was a gory special choke that they that Team Mexico did this, which I thought was kind of nice. Uh, Mexico did a triple high press hip Oh, high hip press. Jeez, that was <laughs> insane. They did a double mat slam. Japan did a senton and a camel clutch into a kick. A double half crab. Mexico did a double cross body. And then a double complete shot with a drop. Oh, yeah, so Motor Machine Guns had two guys basically on top of each other. One guy was on his knees. The other guy was on top of them in an electric chair position. So... I believe it was Chris Saban. He grabs the guy on top, and Shelly dives from from the ropes and hits a springboard dropkick to the back of the person's neck. As he's doing that, Chris Saban brings them both down with a complete shot. So, with all of that being said, with all that chaos that was put into there, I gave this matchup an A. This was the perfect way to open up TNA victory row this was a really good matchup in which it showcased all the talented guys and honestly guys some people might say that some of these eliminations were really like fast like boom this boom that boom they gave enough space between the two of them i mean honestly i'm gonna go through like some of these times really quick here you had like a one that happened at two minutes and 55 seconds next at five another at seven another at 10 12 13 15 16 19 20 and finally at 24, it's very fast-paced, but at the same time, you can't have one of these matches go for too long because then people are going to lose their interest. So in all honesty, it also added a very interesting factor, the fact that you had four teams in here basically trying to eliminate each other. It's just absolutely insane. It's madness, but it's also really cool to see this. I love watching the World X Cup. It's a fun time. I really wish that they would do this again. But we'll see how time goes. So, they do a rundown of the card, mentioning all the matches in there, including uh, the fans' revenge match, the fans' stipulation picked match, Angelia Love versus Gail Kim, which is the next matchup, uh, Taylor Wilde versus Awesome Kong, which, oh, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Um, you also have the main event, the World Heavyweight title match between T Booker T and Samoa Joe, which, again... Talk more about that when we get to it. But actually, we will talk a bit about Booker T. So Booker T throughout the show had these videos for his kind of homecoming deal because they are in Texas. So Booker T is the hometown hero. He's basically getting like this huge proper treatment. And they talk about some of the things that... Yep, some of the th things about you know, people talking about how great he is. We even get a chance to see... Uh, Booker T's gym, 
talk about his uh, his wrestling school. They go into that, but talk about that a little more later. Uh, first one here for Booker T's homecoming is he shows off his home. He showed off his wife. He showed off his wall of achievements, which had some very nice rollback deals, including, I think, a picture of Harlem Heat with uh, Sherry. Uh, he showed off some of his accolades, which included the World Tag Team titles, a lot of WWE stuff. And honestly, it was this I found to be really weird was that he had the classic Intercontinental title. I'm not talking about the one from like 2000 and like two, 2001 onward. I'm talking more about the one that was before that with the black strap, like uh, people like Bret Hart, Rick Rude, Ultimate Warrior, people like that had. And I was like, Booker T never had that design. But then again, maybe he preferred that design more than <laughs> the one that he actually had because Booker T was, he's a former Intercontinental Champion. It was one time and it was on a house show, so <laughs> it was one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, he was an Intercontinental Champion. Uh Booker T had a wine, he shows his cars, he shows his RV, he's just showing like he's living the high life, and it's just one of those things where it's like, he's showing off all this glitz and glam, and I really love the heel character of Booker T, where he's just basically saying, I am this big star, I am a ratings booster, I'm this, and he's showing off all the things that are just kind of proving his point a bit, so this is one of those things where it's like, people in Houston, they're not going to hate him for it, people at home, they're like, oh, what an arrogant prick. Booker T plays that very well, though. He plays that self-entitled character very well. But he also could be a great babyface when he needs to be. Uh, like I said, up next we have Angelia Love versus Gail Kim. The story behind this matchup is literally Angelia Love has been costing Gail Kim opportunity after opportunity to win the knockouts title back. Angelia Love is just saying, I saw an opportunity and I went for it. Uh their rivalry goes all the way back to like sacrifice where they helped Gail win the the beautiful people helped Gail win the uh, extreme makeover battle royal ladder match and costing Roxy her hair. Um, just one of those things where they just been really a thorn in Gail Kim's side and Gail Kim has just had enough at this point. They had that six woman tag at Slammiversary, so now we get the one on one matchup here. So this was basically Gail Kim's slowly kind of breaking out moment where she's going to be a singles competitor on a big match stage. The lights are on her. See what she does. Does she do good? Honestly, she doesn't do half bad. She attacks Gail Kim at the start of it before the bell even rings. She does this uh, nice uh, leg trap counter into a uh, wheel kick. So... It was one of those things where I was like, oh, wow, she, she's she got some moves on her. Uh, Gail Kim does a figure four to the post to Angelina Love. Velvet gets involved, but she meets the steel rail. Uh, Angelina Love hitting a superplex, which I was not expecting that. Gail hits a spear, code breaker, handcuffed neck breaker for the victory. It's a very quick matchup here. Uh, I gave this matchup a C. Honestly, it was not a bad matchup. I just feel like uh, maybe they could have gone a little bit more with this. I feel like a lot of the women's matches on pay-per-view are still not quite to that ideal. But at the same time, I think it is better that they're doing kind of shorter matches for these. So that way they're not, you know, exposed to maybe have, to maybe Angelina feeling a little bit green. But at the same time, she's had a lot of years on her. I think that she deserves a lot more time. Same thing with Gail. After the matchup is over... Beautiful people, they assault her. Uh, they're going to put the brown paper bag on Gail Kim, but Gail Kim's able to get out of the way before she even gets bagged. Backstage, we have Lauren and BG. They are talking to a couple of fans, and they have these mannequins set up. One looks like Rude, one looks like James Storm, and they're just showcasing, like, oh, how are you going to beat up these men? How are you going to beat up these men? And they're showing them just beating up these mannequins with their leather straps. It's legitimately pretty funny and entertaining to watch. Just see these guys be like, oh yeah, I'm from this and this and this. And I'm going to be- beat up Rude and I'm going to beat up Storm. And these mannequins are just getting destroyed. I think BG, they're kind of point where he's like, okay, 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 okay. Okay, save some of that energy for the matchup, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I kind of miss stuff like this. But I also understand why they didn't do it so frequently because there are some people that definitely would take that very much too 
too far, I think. I feel like even nowadays there might be somebody that would try to take it too far. So I can understand why they don't have those kind of fan interaction deals anymore. But honestly, with the two that they had, I didn't see too many incidences. So I think that was really kind of cool to see that. All right, next we have Jay Lethal with SoCal Val in his corner taking on Son J. Dutt. Oh, boy, this is going to be a fun story to talk about. So at Slammiversary... SoCal Val and Jay Lethal were supposed to get married, but Sanjay's like, no, I love you, Val. You should be with me, not Jay. So Jay Lethal's been trying to beat up Sanjay Dutt for basically just being a dick about this. One of the things that I will state is who thought it'd be a good idea to have Sanjay Dutt have children surround him? And I'm not saying that as like a jab at Sanjay Dutt. He's, he's a cool guy. But this character should not have children surrounding him. I mean, throughout some of his buildup and his matches, he is just this guy who's got this big, cheesy smile on his face. It's almost to the point where it's like the horror movie smile that came out. It's almost like that kind of smile that he's just... He's got this thing permanently on his face. Just being like, I'm doing nothing wrong. I just want to free SoCal Val. I just want her to know that she should be with someone else. He just being a, such a pedantic prick, and the smile is not helping, and the fact that he's also using like these kids as <laughs> shields to be like, no, he can't hurt. Hey, try to hit a kid, and people are like, uh, no, we're not going to hit kids. We feel strongly about you know, <laughs> women getting hit here, and we're not going to have kids. We have on this and such. So like, okay, well, I'm just going to run away now. Oi, this uh, the story is very crazy. They had a brawl at the pink flamingo which was the venue of jay lethal's bachelor party which i think is actually a really funny segment especially when you consider that was where they announced who was all going to be the groomsmen for the show (laughs) my god (laughs) so before the matchup starts sanjay gives socalval a card and a rose basically be like oh i love you and lethal i think he kind of like chucked the card and ripped the rose up if I remember correctly. He does a suicide dive really. Dutt tries to stop the momentum of Lethal but Lethal is just so motivated he's so fired up with passion he just beats him down until Sanjay gets a couple kicks in and then does a springboard leg drop to the back of Lethal's head and he fakes a spring dive kicks lethal in the face and then just struts i thought that was actually a really cool thing because sanjay is definitely a very athletic competitor but the fact that he is definitely embracing this heel deal i think is great i think that you know his in-ring deal he's definitely something where it's like okay this guy has something a drop toe holding to a rolling senton by sanjay always love that combination Lethal is able to hit a tombstone face buster into a turnbuckle and then an overhead German suplex. My God, did that look great. Dunn's able to hit a springboard Frankensteiner. Lethal hits a face buster, throws Dutt into the apron and then into the rail. Dutt calls out to Val, but Lethal is just continuing this attack on him. He locks in a Texas Cloverleaf, which I thought, oh, that's a that's a good way to get, you know, uh, you know get some good repertoire with people. People love a te- good Texas Cloverleaf. Val, she's going up and she's tell tells uh, Lethal, you know, to stop. To stop. But Lethal's telling her, no, you got to get down. You got to get down. Lethal hits the lethal combination, but Val unfortunately distracts Lethal again, and this causes Sanjay to roll up Lethal and use the ropes for leverage for the victory. Sanjay Dunt picks up a pay-per-view victory, which I think this might be the first time in. Wow, I can't remember the last time that Sanjay won a pay-per-view matchup. Especially a singles match. Jeez. Congrats to Sanjay Dunt. Uh, I give this one a C. There was nothing too special about this matchup. I feel like this was starting to get good. I think that, you know, the mo- the emotion that Lethal brought into this was perfect. He did not do as many of his um, high-flying moves as he did. He was just all about, you know, punishing Sanjay, beating him down. Every now and then, he would probably pull out something new. I thought it was good. Uh, Sanjay, he played up his deal to a T. It's just one of those things where, like, I feel like it was just starting to get good, and then they kind of stopped it at the peak of it. Backstage, we have 
beer money, they're talking about fury and how they're not worried about the marks, which, oh my God, I can't believe that they even said that. They're just like, we're not concerned about the marks. They're going to try to whip our asses with belts. I'm like, wow, they're they're really revolutionary. I mean, back then, nobody really called them marks, so it's kind of funny. Uh, beer money, oh my gosh. So beer money had these shirts, which I'm going to talk about the build, the build for this in just a minute. Um, they had these shirts that literally has the on the front say place tag belts here and they're ready to go and they'd say to Jacqueline okay let's go Jacqueline's like uh yeah you know what I'm I'm gonna go I'm not going out there with people who have belts there so beer money is basically going in alone on this matchup speaking of which beer money versus LAX for the world tag team titles the build-up for this is actually kind of interesting as well because it's all started with them getting a tag team title shot, Beer Money, on an episode of Impact. And it seems like they won the matchup until one of the referees said, no, this didn't happen because there was some kind of interference. So the referee restarted the matchup and LAX retained their tag team titles. So all throughout the deal, Beer Money has been saying that they've been screwed out of the tag team titles. And they have just been whipping every single person that has been in their way. And this includes LAX. Hector Guerrero, they beat down the Motor City Machine Guns. They even beat them in a strap match on on the build-up to Impact here. So they have just been living, and they've wanted this match. So LAX is saying that after the beatdown with Hector Guerrero, they want to fight at Victory Road, and it's going to be fans' revenge, in which they get 12 people, I believe, from the fans. Basically, they come into come to ringside they have straps and anytime that beer money gets out they get there they get whooped <laughs> bottom line and as you would have imagined they do get whooped throughout this matchup so matchup itself uh beer money had these very <clears throat> they had confederate flag colored attire i think that's kind of one of those things where it's like oh they're definitely trying to get heat uh, I mentioned before that they beat down Beer Money, but anytime a member of LAX went out to the floor, they would either do like this, like kind of like, oh, we're we're beating them with our straps, or they would just be like encouraging them to get back in the ring. We got three amigos by LAX, but Rude hits a spine buster, homicide with a T-bone suplex. I was not expecting that. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> Hernandez he comes in with a flying shoulder. And a Cracker Jack hits the train wreck. He hits the Alpha Bomb. He does a... Oh my god. I, I always love this spot. Because he goes from a seated position in a corner. And then he's able to lift himself up and back roll onto the top turnbuckle. And then he does a splash from the top there. I was literally like, how is a man that big able to do that? That's incredible. Uh, the finish happens with Hernandez getting... Leave with Storm up into the electric chair. Homicide goes to the top rope, hits a cutter, and picks up the win right there. I give this one a C. Another one of those matches where I feel like they had a good moment where it could have gone longer. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like you don't want to have them too overexposed with the whole belt thing. I will tell you guys this, that sometimes I think people underestimate how unpredictable the fans can be uh case in point there was actually a show in wisconsin that we had here in which there was a oh my gosh i'm trying to remember exact the exact details on this so they had a pool noodle match and fans were given pool noodles anytime the heels were out or even faces were out they were just getting beaten up with these pool noodles and there were a lot of kids there they're hyped up on sugar which may have been my fault because I may have provided some banana snacks, but I'm sorry. Um, and some of the adults, I think some of the adults kind of caught on, but some of the kids were just going crazy. And there were wrestlers that were pissed after that. It's kind of one of those things where I remember a lot of people saying, like, we were never doing that again. <laughs> to which I'm like, you know, I, I could, I'll do it again. I'll do it. I just got to, uh, it's just one of those things where, like, I'm going to be, Probably a little more careful with that. It's one of those things where it's like you watch the matchup, you see what went wrong, you learn from it. 
So there is probably going to be another like poo noodle kind of matchup in Wisconsin. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out when and how. But anyway, that was just kind of a little short story there. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of a smaller matchup. It's just one of those things where like, eh, it's okay. We go to the second Booker T homecoming video in which we go to his wrestling school and get to see a couple of his students. Any that I would have recognized? Uh, not that I remember. It was just one of those things where it's like, oh, these students like two, like a couple of random students in there. And they actually do get involved in the show, but they're more of like security guys than anything. I mean, they mentioned like, oh, man, oh, man, security's getting beat up. Uh, no, those are the students. Get get that right, Mike and Don. <laughs> but uh, no, it was actually kind of cool to see that, to hear like the influence that Booker T has had on their careers. So, excuse me. So it was really kind of cool to hear that. That was a nice little moment. Up next, we have the TNA Knockouts Championship in which we have Awesome Kong challenging Taylor Wilde for the title. Yes, you heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. Taylor Wilde is the new Knockouts champion. Story here is pretty simple. Awesome Kong had that challenge for the fit for basically women out in the crowd, basically stating, hey, I got money. You want a shot at me? Come at me. You beat me. You get the money. Well, during all of this deal, we had a woman by the name of Taylor in the audience who actually comes very close, probably the closest to defeating Awesome Kong. And you had to know this was going to come in this kind of a challenge. They were building up to somebody that was going to beat Kong. Uh, as I mentioned before, you know, you had Leva Bates, you had Daphne, you had actually, I think it was Amber Heard, if I remember correctly. She was a part of this deal. They were had a lot of these people in this. Oh, Serena Deeb was involved in this, or Jordan Bolt. Honestly, I think that when Sojourner Bolt was in there, I thought that maybe she was going to be the one that does it. But Taylor Wilde was just one of those people that's like, I, I can do this. I can do this. So she gets a match with Araisha Saeed if she beats her. She not only gets Awesome Kong for that money, but also for the knockouts title as well. No surprise, she beats Raisha Saeed. And in the upset of the women's decade honestly yeah it's one of the biggest upsets in that women's decade taylor wilde pins awesome kong to become the new knockouts champion and gets money 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 so this is the rematch here they get a brawl between the two of them a kong with a line clothesline splash she locks in a camel clutch wild taylor wilde hits a missile drop kick another clothesline by kong uh, Taylor Wilde with a super arm drag. She counters a backhand, counters the impact bluster. Looks like she's going to get choke slammed, but locks in a victory roll for the win. Taylor Wilde retains. It's a very short matchup. I do hate the fact that this was what happened. But basically, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, can lightning strike twice? Um, in all honesty, I give this one a D because in all honesty, I think that if they would have saved the title change for here, it would have probably gotten some more pay-per-view buy rates in. It really could have. I know that there's some people that would be like, oh, but that would have taken away a great moment on Impact. Yes, but at the same time, you really want to save some of these big moments for pay-per-view. I think that's the biggest thing is that you definitely want to save some of these moments for pay-per-view than anything. After the matchup, Taylor Wilde, she eats an implant buster. It looks like she's going to get an awesome bomb onto the chair. But out comes Abyss to make the save. Get a nice little stare down between Abyss and Kong. Abyss leaves the ring. Saeed kind of jaw jacks him a little bit. And then she smacks Abyss ups inside the face and eats a black hole slam. And they talk about, oh, well, Jim Cornette's not going to like this whole woman on man, man on woman violence. It's like, she provoked him. She provoked him. This is warranted. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of to an extreme, but it was warranted. It's one of those things where <laughs> you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, oh, well, you, you know, you get, you get slapped. Oh, well, I, there's nothing I could do. 
TNA was literally just like, no, 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 everybody's treated equally here. If a guy slaps a guy, you're gonna get, you're gonna get slammed. Same thing happens with a guy gets hit by a woman. In this case, it's abyss, but it's also a safe move, so I'm not too worried about it. Booker T has a third homecoming video, in which they are eating at a restaurant called Charmel's. That's about it. Uh, the man, the manager, definitely highly compliments Booker T here. I thought this was another nice video. These videos are actually really good, actually. So, up next we have the Ultimate X match, in which we have team captains, the uh, rookie Doi, Kaz, Davari, and Lardor, Volador, Lador Jr. Gosh, I feel bad for just butchering these names. Again, nothing really too much to say about this. Uh, I did notice that with this deal, Kaz had this kind of metallic or Metallica logo for his name on here. It took me this long to figure it out, but it's kind of funny. Um, we get some attempts to climb up. Uh, nothing really too crazy in this matchup. Kaz hitting the spot of the night with a diving leg drop to Davari, who's hanging on the one of the cables. Kaz jumps from one of the beams where it's holding the ultimate X, jumps off of that, and hits a leg drop on Davari. But uh, Junior is able to, to get the X, drops down, and Mexico wins the match and also the World X Cup. 2008. I gave this matchup a B. It's kind of short, sweet, to the point. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, this matchup is not entirely spectacular compared to the other Ultimate X predecessors. Um, this one definitely feels like a bit of a step down, but it's still a fun matchup. After the matchup, we had a translator there for uh, Team Mexico. Basically, they're talking about how this is a big victory for Mexico and that they are honored to be the 2008 uh, World X Cup winners, basically. Nothing too crazy. All right. Let's talk about the next matchup, the semi-main, as we have Team 3D and Kurt Angle taking on the team of Rhino, AJ Styles, and Christian Cage. Build up to this. Kurt Angle still thinks that AJ Styles is sleeping with Karen. He's kind of beat him down. Team 3D are basically joining Kurt Angle on this crusade. But along the way, they have beaten down and been feuding with Rhino and Christian Cage. Uh, they hit like a 3D on Rhino onto the pavement on the outside, so they kind of took him out for a little while. And then they said that they're going to do something to Christian Cage that has never been done in wrestling before, and that was they put Christian Cage through a glass table, something that never thought I'd really see. Uh, I will say this, that way, the way that they did the whole uh, spot, it was painfully obvious that they had those like towels like pre-soaked to where they're trying to make it seem like you know oh Christian's got this huge like bloody back because I truly believe that if his back was really bloody then those towels would have been redder a lot quicker but that's just me that's a small detail for me but that being said fans had the stipulation choices of falls count anywhere tables match or Full Metal Mayhem. The fans chose Full Metal Mayhem. So what that means is that it's everything is legal. You got tables, ladders, chairs, chains, stairs, whatever is not bolted down, you could utilize, basically. AJ Styles hits a dive onto everybody to start off, and that hits his beautiful drop kick. Rhino with a spine buster. Christian Cage hitting a trash can onto Ray. Ray hitting a high back body drop. Spagingo to Christian Cage. And I mean, Christian got so much height with this back body drop. Holy crap. A phenomenal forearm to Ray by AJ Styles. Team 3D hitting a double flapjack to AJ, AJ before eating a ladder. Kurt uses a chair to hit the ladder into the face of Christian. Uh, Christian Cage gets a belly-to-belly -belly suplex overhead of Kurt Angle into the ladder. We see AJ Styles hitting a phenomenal forearm off of the ladder. 
Jeez Louise, is that insane? Christian Cage does a dive from the top of one of the poles for the Ultimate X match. That was a high dive. Rhino just gores everybody before <clears throat> we see um, Rhino get hit with a doomsday device. Christian Cage goes for the Unprettier, but Angle counters it, goes to the Angle Slam, but goes into the Unprettier, but then goes to the Angle Lock. I actually love that sequence. It's really cool. 3D to Cage through a table at ringside. Oh my gosh, with this, this is crazy. He literally was on the steps, and they did that 3D from there to the outside table. It was just a great spot. Ray super kicks AJ, to which I'm like, holy shit, brother Ray can do a super kick. And that was when he was like, at probably like one of his bulkiest times. My God, I was like, I, I think this is awesome. AJ Styles hits an X-Factor to Ray through a table. He sends Devon through a table, counters an angle slam into a Styles Clash. He does a Pele to Giant Divine. Angle slam by AJ, by, by Kurt Angle to AJ. AJ goes to set up Kurt Angle on a table, and he climbs up the ladder. Oh, I forgot to mention, Frank Trigg is on commentary. Why is that important? Because he gets involved in the matchup. Uh, hits a kendo stick shot to AJ. Angle hits an angle slam from the top of the ladder through a table to AJ Styles for the win, giving Angle and Team 3D the victory here. In all honesty, they deserved it. This this was the right move to make, and it definitely progresses the story going into the next mat, going into the next pay-per-view event. Uh, this is a solid A matchup. This was a really good match between these six guys. It was basically a high spot matchup, which paid off dividends. It was great. Um, yeah, no, I don't have anything negative to really say about this one. It was the right amount of time, right amount of spots. Everything worked out to a T, and I had no problem with the finish especially. I think that, again, it shows that AJ Styles has just been outnumbered so many times, and so many people just want to screw AJ. And Kurt Angle, he wants to take down AJ at least one more time, and he's going to try to at the next event, Hard Justice. For the main event, we have Samoa Joe stating that there is no doubt that he is going to leave with his TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Kevin Nash, he says, hey, I'm going to make sure that everything goes right. I'll be in your corner. And Samoa Joe says, no matter what happens out there, stay back here. Do not come out. Kevin Nash says, okay. You're the champ. And that's a story that really plays into this. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the main event. And it is Booker T versus Samoa Joe for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Since Slammiversary, Booker T has just been trying to get into Samoa Joe's head, basically stating that he can't beat Booker T. And Kevin Nash even said to him, I don't think you can beat Booker T. And it's not just the physical prowess, it's the mental, man. There's a match where Booker T even fought Kevin Nash. And there's some friction going on between Samoa Joe and Kevin Nash going into the buildup for this here. But also, during this whole entire ordeal, Sting has been watching everything here. So people are just kind of like, is he going to play a factor into the finish of this? And to be honest... It wouldn't have surprised me if he did, was. But bottom line really here is that Samojo, Samojo during this build-up, he even gave up his locker room. He was literally like, you know what? You want to be pampered? Go, into, go, take my locker room. I don't care. He's one of those people that wants to be with the boys. So that's legitimately how I built up. I also will say that Booker T took that locker room and he made it like more lavish and luxurious. He had like these really nice like couches and some really good champagne. Uh, <laughs> there's a point where he actually has JB wear like a robe that he <laughs> basically he wants to keep the place clean. And then he also does this kind of Jamaican accent, man. And I think from what people are saying was that he was just, nobody told him to do that. He was just trying to get like other roles for like movies and stuff like that. So he's just trying different things. 
And to be honest, him doing the Jamaican deal, it was just so left field. I was like, what are you doing, Booker? <laughs> this, this doesn't make sense. If he was to go back to, you know, his King Booker deal, that would have been different. Because that that should have gotten him movie roles. Where he was the king and champion of the world. He is King Booker. That that was super entertaining. I I miss King Booker. That that's a great that's a great character. <sighs> Alright, so let's talk about this matchup. Because, oh boy, I have a lot to say about this. Uh, they do some strikes early on. The corner kick by Samoa Joe. He hits his running kick. He does a snapmare chop to the back. Uh, fight to the outside, and then Samoa Joe gets busted open early here, which honestly kind of sucks because there's a lot of matches that I've watched that he's gone to the outside or he's started the matchup early with him getting busted open. Uh, I even watched his match with Finn Balor at TakeOver Dallas, where I think he hit the turnbuckle wrong and he just cut himself there by accident. So it's kind of one of those things where like, oh, this this brings flashbacks. Uh, we get a step-up sidekick by Booker T. Smojo does the uh, does the atomic drop kick, but he misses the senton. Booker T does his axe kick. He does his arm wrench kick. Smojo does his running kick again. He does a second rope kick, a snap power slam, a T-bone. Just a lot of crazy stuff going on here. Strikes are countered, but then Booker T knocks down the referee. Booker T eats the Olay boot into the rail, which a lot of people might remember back in his original days of being Samojo, where he sits somebody in a corner on a steel chair, and then he just does a big boot to them into the rail. Uh, this butt open Booker T. Charmel slaps Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe's like, well, I can't hit a woman, so instead, I'm going to beat up the students, and that's what he does. But then he also beats down the referees. Samoa Joe is just continuing to beat down Booker. Uh, TNA officials, they try to get involved, but he spooks them all off, hits a corner Uranagi to Booker T. He beats down security. He locks into the coquina clutch. Charmel is just in the ring. She is just screaming for Samoa Joe to stop. Samojo is not, but he is just, he snapped. He literally just snapped. It was uh, one of those things where I'm like, wow, this is Samojo of old. Holy shit. But then lights go out. Sting's music hits. He comes out. And he is telling Joe that that is enough. You've you proved your point. Enough's enough. Samojo seemingly kind of snaps out of it. He's like, Okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. I'm done. So he follows Sting, but then Samoa Joe turns around, sees Booker T. He goes back. He beats down Booker T some more, tries to lock in the choke again, but then Sting is yelling. He's like, hey, stop it. That's enough. You've done, you've done enough. You proved your point. And then Samoa Joe, because he can be a dick, he literally looks at Sting, gives him the bird, and says, fuck you. Sting... Is like, okay. Sting, he grabs bat, hits him in the gut, hits him in the back, beats down Samoa Joe. Booker T covers Samoa Joe, and then Charmel counts the three, and then they leave with the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, and that's how the show ends, with a no contest. I... The match was actually really good, in all honesty. I really loved the brutality that these guys were giving each other in this matchup. I loved the fact that they were literally like putting it all on the line. There was a, so much chaos at the end of it, and it also had that Samoa Joe of old kind of deal there. But the last few minutes, which uh, basically up until... Until Sting beat down Joe. Everything was good. After that, it fell apart. I could not grade this matchup. I put down grade undecided because 
I don't know how to grade this. I really don't. This is the first time I've ever done this. And honestly, it's because of the fact that there was no finish. There really wasn't. It was just this whole no contest BS. And I hate I hate that on pay-per-views. It's one of those things where it's like, you should not do that at a big show. You should have a decisive winner. You could have had Booker T winning by a disqualification. Or honestly, what I would have done is I would have had Booker T win the title here in Houston because of Sting. And then Samoa Joe could also go back to fight Booker T, try to win the title back. And this would result in Samoa Joe versus Sting for the world title at Slamversary. It would have added an extra layer on there, which I think would have been necessary. And to be honest, then you would have had Booker T's name on that lineage of the TNA title. Would Booker T have, you know, tainted that? No. I think that he would have brought prestige to the title. With him having a good heel run for like a month or two, I think that'd be cool. I think that I would not see a problem with that. But that's not the route that they went to. So, that's what it is, I guess. So my final grading for this show was a C. The thing is that there were two matches on this show that were really standout-ish. Uh, the Ultimate X match I thought was really good. But everything was kind of just either average or just missed the mark. I think that, like I said, Taylor Wilde, if she would have won the title here at Victory Road, it would have created for a bigger moment. I think that they would have given Angelina Love and Gail Kim more time. That would have been good. Uh, the match between Beer Money and uh, LAX, I think, was good. But I think they could have either done a little bit more with the fan interaction deal or they could have done more with the match itself. Uh, just kind of like little nitpicks here and there. Uh, and the main event is what really killed it. Because they had a good match, but the problem is the finish just killed the whole vibe of the whole thing. It was kind of one of those things where it was like... Hell in the, it was not as bad as Hell in the Cell between Rollins and The Fiend, but it's definitely one of those things where it just felt like the air was just deflated after that. You just kind of were like, oh, this is great. And then... Just... Nothing. So... <sighs> that was Victory Road 2008, so hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. And hey, if you enjoy listening to my voice, you're going to really love the voices of Fretz, Young Lion Perspective, and the Kings of the Rings by going checking them out on our podcast feed on all major platforms, you guys. Definitely check them out. It's really great, really enjoyable. And we cover a lot of different genres of wrestling. So definitely check that out. You're going to enjoy that. And if you really want to show support to us, check out our social media feeds, whether it's Twitter, Instagram. Check that out, you guys. It is absolutely great to watch these shows and listening to them it's also really cool to get a chance to interact with us because we really want to know what you guys think about wrestling we also know what you guys think about our show so please by all means let us know what you think and hey if you love all that you're gonna love our merch store where we have different variety types of merchandise from clothing to cups to just just basically everything that you can imagine I think the only thing we're missing is just Rustlack Radio underwear at this point. Honestly, Victoria's Secret, give us a call. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's Calvin Klein or Fruit of the Loom. So they're the ones that we kind of want to go for. But anyway, that being said, thank you guys for listening in. You can always follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RealFNGame. Check me out every other week here on the show, unless there's something major. And thank you guys so much for your support. Just remember that you can make an impact one moment at a time. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. See ya.